I'm Reed Hudson, and welcome to Thundercast. This week on Thundercast, I will be talking with Mr. Jeff Goodwin about his job at Eastern Green Middle School. Mr. Goodwin, thank you for joining me today on Thundercast. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, I've evidently loved Eastern Green Schools because I've been here for quite a few years. I started teaching in 1985, so I've taught here for 33 years. And I got a wonderful wife who's a great math teacher in the middle school. Uh, and, and, and so uh, Mrs. Goodwin has somehow uh, accepted me into her life once upon a time. And so between us, uh, we pretty much enjoy everything we do connected with uh, education. And there's a lot, of, a lot of angles that goes with that. Why did you originally come to Eastern? Well, that's a good question because I've told a couple of people that at one time, about the time I accepted this job, they actually wanted me in Carmel, and but I'd already kind of verbally said, oh, I'm going to take this thing. Obviously, that's a decision that would have changed things, and Carmel would have been interesting and very different, but I'm not sure it would have been better. Uh, but I've, you know, I've, with social studies, honestly, it's a very competitive field. It still is. A lot, a lot of areas have, you know, where there's a lot of shortages and, and you know, for example, math and, and language arts is becoming that way and certain technology and science positions are, are very hard to come by and they're hard, hard, hard to find people. Social studies is a little different that way where, you know, you're, it's, it's very competitive. And I, from what I remember, someone told me that there were 70 people who applied for that job once, once upon a time. And so I felt pretty, pretty lucky to get it. So and, and and so I took it and and maybe there were a few other openings that happened afterwards, but uh, it was at the time it was the right thing. It was close to home, which was in Knox County, and so it, it was it was nice to to be able to actually, you know, see relatives and and still be close to home, but also be on my own. Why did you decide to go into social studies? Well, I've always loved history, and in fact, that's why when I had the when the middle school was built, or I should say the high school was built, and the middle school was changed back in 2008, you know, it was, there are a lot of people that have always asked me, why, why didn't I stay teaching in the high school? And I really kind of have a, teach, a high school teaching mentality in some respects, but eighth grade's pretty close anyway. I love history. Um, my master's degree is in history. Uh, I, I, I never stop reading and, and, and going places that connect with history, so... You know, Mr. Thompson was here in the teaching for years as a junior U.S. history teacher, and you know the chances of, of me taking that position I thought were slim. But I, I kind of I've always liked eighth graders anyway. So uh, teaching history is is kind of what I always wanted to do. At one point, I saw myself perhaps thinking in terms of teaching college, and that's still not out of the out of the you know out of the ordinary or out of it, it could happen again because there's, there's a point where I can retire anytime I want at this point, and it's just what do I do next? And, and that might be one option where I, where I could go back and teach college, um, and, and, and that would be very much a different grade level course. You're dealing with college versus eighth grade, but um, you're still teaching history, and, and so that, that would, I think that would be fun. Why did you decide to teach eighth graders? Well, I like eighth graders. I had, I had seniors for years, and – you know, Reed, I had your mom, and I had your dad, and I had so many. I mean, at this point, you're running into second, now third generations, which is really making me feel old. But, which, what, what do you say there? It just means you've been here a long time. But, uh, 
I've always liked eighth graders because they they're starting to have critical thinking abilities. Not all of them. Of course, you can't say that about all adults either. You hope people can think at a certain level, and some people can, some people can't. Not to sound elitist, but the reality is, you know, eighth graders are starting to get there, and you can help them along that direction. And and yet, eighth graders haven't become sour. And when I had seniors all those years, it, it was sometimes tough when senioritis would kick in, and people were just kind of like wanting to get out and, and move on with their life, and they would lose a little bit of a spark, and and that bothered me because I never lost any spark. Uh, I'm not talking about as a senior, but as a teacher, and 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 yet you had people who were kind of wanting to move on, and and you could understand that, um, and it, it kind of put a a little bit of a damper on what I was trying to do. Um, although I do miss teaching seniors, uh, there's no question, um, and I have a lot of high school kids that always want me to to come over every time they hear there's an opening. Oh, you can come over and teach, and and that's a heck of a compliment, but. But I'm, so, I'm glad just to be able to to stick with the eighth graders and have, I've taught them all these years. Yeah, I taught, taught about the Trail of Tears today. Now, I've taught the Trail of Tears for 33 years. And, and sometimes you kind of like scratch your head as like, do you really want to hit it again? But in reality, when you're in there and dealing with these kids, they deserve to know about that event. And, and so I, I don't mind staying with that group of kids and and – and trying to get get them to, to to improve themselves and reach their potentials, and so that's why I stick with eighth graders. I like the way they grow. When the AP U.S. History class opened up last year, mm-hmm. it was. Why did you not go into that? Since you're teaching juniors, not seniors, where the seniors. Well, first of all, Mr. Birch was was doing that, yeah. you know, and 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 um, you know, that's still. I mean, when when he decided to switch into math for a little bit, and it may not be continuous, but he may be going back into to social studies next year, from what I understand, but I don't know. But yeah, I could teach the AP class would be in some ways fascinating. But I've talked to Mr. Birch, and maybe you had, as they say, a push. Um, and what I understand is, and that's the downside of college teaching, is that you're responsible for pushing and going through a lot of material as fast as possible because you have to get to the next topic. and it's it's very much a survey type class and in eighth grade i can devote a week or coming up maybe three weeks on westward expansion including texas and the gold rush and i just find all that information fascinating and i couldn't take my time and do that when you when you have a, that kind of situation so because because a push is they're taking what i teach in eighth grade in the first semester and then all the new material going up to the present day you know barack obama is is history now. Um, and every year, it's this is that much more material you're, you're responsible for. Um, You've got to teach about ISIS and terrorism, and I don't know how you can do it. And so they're asking a lot. I think it's 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 tough to go through all that material in one year. And I and I, I think I, w- I would run into those kind of frustrations if I started teaching college, I believe. But, you know, I, I've always, like I said, the, eighth, the grade level is what really keeps me there, dealing with those kids in eighth grade. Um, and, and then you incorporate other things that go with the middle school experience that I really like more than I, more than I thought I would in some respects. What originally made you go into teaching? Oh, yeah. I, you know, I was kind of shy growing up, so I'm not sure. Um, uh, I'm necessarily not shy now. Um, but when I was growing up and there's a certain amount of insecurities and a certain amount of, um, 
like what am I going to do with my my life? And but I, I think after a while you feel like you have something to share, and ultimately I think the love of history and that ability of sharing and and interacting I think it became clear probably my second year of college that it's not going to be just a history degree, but it's going to be a history teaching along with the other areas that that I could also touch upon, such as uh, government and economics and other things I've taught. Do you regret going into teaching at all? Like, is there any aspect that you do regret of it? Well, I think every teacher would say this. You're You're not in it for the money. And it frustrates me to see younger teachers especially drop out of the profession. And we've had that even recently here where they can make more money somewhere else. And because teaching is paid for by tax dollars, it's never going to be well paid because there's not a politician alive that wants to fund it the way it needs to be funded. And as long as we're paid that way, people aren't going to make much money teaching. And and you lose people. And there's not a lot of people that do what I'm doing, which is to stay at the same school this, this number of years. It's a little crazy sometimes, but... Um, so I guess in some respects, I do kind of look back and I look at, look at our society as many people do and, and they look at some, how successful economically people have been working somewhere else, doing something else, such as maybe even someone becoming an engineer or whatever the case, they get paid a lot more money, but there is more to life than money. So, but, but it's at the same time, yeah, I wish I, I had more saved to retirement. I think you get to a point where people feel like they can't retire because financially it just doesn't make a lot of sense. And then you throw in other, other factors such as health insurance and, and other things. So the money is the, da- the downside and always will be in, in education. But there's so many other positives that makes up for it. What are some of those positives? Again, dealing with young people. I mean, you feel very lucky that way. I think honestly, this, despite how busy I can be in the summer, I mean, you do have time off and, and you're able to kind of resuscitate and, and, and you know, kind of refresh one's enthusiasm and that allows you to stay fresh in some respects. So there's time where I've been able to travel and see a lot of things and I feel lucky that way. And then the other factor is is essentially that, you know, you're able to have a certain amount of freedom in what you do. I mean, there are more and more, I think the state government and, and, and the testing that occurs, especially in other subject areas, starts to kind of cause teachers to feel like they don't have that academic freedom. But, but I'm lucky enough to be in a field where I kind of do. I mean, there's standards I have to follow. But if I could certainly kind of emphasize certain things more than others based on one's own interest and what I think is more, more important. I'm, I'm going to spend more time in the Constitution than maybe some people would. But I feel like that's pretty vital, you know. So, you know, the ha- academic freedom, dealing with the kids, um, colleagues itself, it's, there's never been any day I've ever had that is the same as the previous day, or it's never the same every day. It's never the same every year. The interactions are uh, you know, pretty individualistic in a given moment, and it's, it's honestly just fun. It, it, it does wear you out, and as I get older, I certainly feel that. But at the same time, you, know, you have to have the ability to really enjoy what you do, and how many people have a job where they really enjoy it? And I, and I feel kind of bad for people who don't enjoy it. It's a grind. They, 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 they dread work. Not me. So, you know, given that, I, I feel very lucky. What's your favorite time period to teach about in history? 
You know, it's it's kind of changed over the years. When I started going through college, I wanted to teach about World War II, which I can't in eighth grade. That's that's a junior level standard. Um, and my dad was in World War II, and and so that that's kind of drew me into that. And I I really studied it a lot when I was younger, but I've never taught it. And 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 so if if I if I was to teach that topic, it probably would be right up there. There's a lot of junior level topics that I would really enjoy teaching, the Roaring Twenties and so forth. But in what I teach now, westward expansion is my favorite thing. Um, and especially in the last 10 years where I've been able to travel out west and, and, and follow Lewis and Clark's trail and, and go to places like the California gold fields and those kind of things. It's just to me the west is a fascinating topic, and, and so I've liked that more than anything else. Um, the Civil War is, is the other one for me. It's kind of hard to imagine our country ever being quite to that level. And, and, and so it's a head-scratching thing. And the third topic that it's, I enjoy teaching but, but you don't enjoy teaching is slavery. It's, it's a head-scratching topic, how our country could have ever been quite like that. And, and there's been so many things that have been used lately to visualize these topics, and that's been an added bonus for what I've been able to do over the years. Uh, as far as you know, certain the top the topics that are available and the and the materials that are available, visuals visual visualize and also online, you know. What activities do you do outside of the school? You mean as far as personal activities? Personal activities, or it could involve the school, but not exactly teaching. Well, as far as the school, I mean, most of my time fits in with what I teach. I mean, um, we obviously being an eighth grade kind of quote team leader and. So there's a lot of curriculum things I'm looking at with the whole school, but that's not quite outside the school. That's really school. And I've been very involved with the Teachers Association and, and, and honestly fighting to make sure teachers do not get any more of a raw deal from the state than they already have, or our school for that matter. And it's been an uphill battle in both those areas. So those things I, I certainly do. But uh, the Washington, D.C. Tri trip I've been doing for a decade now, and it's this – that takes up a lot of time, and and so that's that's been kind of like a a co-curriculum type approach where you you take these kids like like I took you once upon a time, and you take them to D.C. and 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 you get they get a sense of just how different Washington D.C. is than any other city, and and how that represents our national identity, and and that doesn't matter who's in charge, it doesn't matter that has nothing to do with political party. It's just this is our heritage, and and so it's. There's things there that I think everybody has to see in their life. Do you sometimes think taking eighth graders to D.C. is too young of an age? No, just the opposite. I think when you get to be juniors and seniors, I, I think there's a – again, it goes back to why I continue to teach eighth graders. I, I, I tell you that what, I wouldn't want to go any younger than eighth grade. I think most eighth graders that end up going – I mean, there are certain criteria to go. That includes keeping their grades up and, and so forth, but – they, one of the things I'm doing in the eighth grade year is creating that, Im, that impression, the, the, the groundwork of, of seeing what, what should be done. So maybe at the beginning of the eighth grade year, you kind of question it, but by the time you get to the end, they're ready to go. I mean, some of them are not as academic as far as sponging the reading aspects of going to a museum or, I mean, that's just the nature of it. But again, I think there's a lot of adults that also um, – aren't going to be necessarily the kinds of people that want to to soak up knowledge the way that others do. So 
So you get you run the whole gamut, but everybody get, gains something out of that trip. So um, I think juniors and seniors could certainly handle it and get it, get something out of it. But sometimes juniors and seniors, you know, are like they're kind of ready to move on, and they're, and they're they're more worried about in a narcissistic way their own lives, which is which is very understandable. But nevertheless, uh, it might not quite work as well in going to our nation's capital. I mean, they're they're worried about going to the the next step and finding a college campus that's going to work for them. Why do you think the trip's important? Well, I, I think there's certain basic citizenship aspects. You start with that. There's also things connected with our military, uh, with our shared experience as Americans. We're not talking about just war memorials either or, or the Arlington Cemetery, but just there's things that if you're really going to be an American, these things represent sometimes the best and sometimes there's times where it represents the worst of of of, of where, where we've where we've been you know and so there's a whole gamut of things I also I like the fact that we have the National Cathedral there and not, not that they have to be religious but that puts things in perspective as well even though it's kind of a non-denominational uh, church it and it may even be not necessarily directly connected with Christianity uh, it is but it's they're so welcoming, it doesn't really matter. So it, it just gets to the brunt of what it's like to be um, a human being. And, and what should, when, if, for me, going to D.C. Is, allows students to realize that they're not the only game in town, that there's, there's more to life than just them. And, and they, they should be able to gain an appreciation for our entire culture, and again, that's sometimes good and bad. The new African American Museum opened up last year. That's something you didn't see, Reed, and and it's pretty mind blowing as far as you know when they deal with the, the Middle Passage and slavery and and so forth. It's, it's pretty good stuff, um, but not always not always wonderful. If you had a chance to take another field trip, would you go anywhere else besides? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's places I I think some some of the nearby cities that are available to us, and I'm not talking about Bloomington or Indy, but Chicago's got a lot to offer. Uh, St. Louis is a very inexpensive place to take kids because of Forest Park and the zoo, and they have some history museums there in the arch and and so forth. That's a possibility. I mean, you know, really, I can't do both. You know, this this is enough, and 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 really, this takes days out of school anyway. So, it's it's not really conceivable to to go too many other places. But that, those are two places that you could certainly create enough opportunities for students to gain from. And, and there's other teachers over here that do that. I think there's people that have gone up to the Art Institute of Chicago and uh, science and industry and, and various other things that they have. But I'll be honest, nothing quite measures up to D.C. with regards to what they have. I mean, a big city like New York would have a lot of things, too. Um, I've never been to Philadelphia, which is crazy. And that's something I want to check off eventually, uh, given what I teach. But so there's always things. But but no, this this is enough. What has changed since you started teaching? Well, I've already hinted at it. The state of Indiana has changed with regards to the the, the the mentality of how they think sometimes schools don't do the job. Like like we need to be quote accountable. The testing uh, hysteria in some respects. It, it now it's, it seems to have spread even more to the high school. I mean, it used to be more to younger grades, and now it's here we go again. Politicians believing that public schools don't do enough for kids. Uh, I find that kids are more more prepared and more intelligent 
and have more to offer than than ever before. Um, and so, but it, it never seems to be enough. Whatever we do doesn't really quite seem to be enough for for the politicians who really believe they know more about schools than educators. That's frustrating, and will always be frustrating. And it's driving people out of the profession, without a doubt. I mean, it's just people are like, "This is crazy. This is not why they got into it," and they didn't know. And 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 people closer to my age or slightly younger maybe are like, "It never never was quite this bad when I started. Why now?" Um, so that's that's one thing that's that's changed. Um, the other thing I, I I think is, I don't think kids have changed, but I think some parents have changed. There, I, I think there there's a lot of a lot of folks where there are certain parents that you know that, that just don't have the high expectations for students uh, or or their own th- children, and 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 sometimes you know you, you see that in the classroom where where there's just a, a student that's just not prepared and has had a rough time of it. And, and and you don't know what to do completely. You try to help them, but it's it's tough when when, when they have to f- have a few more hurdles to cross than perhaps you and I have had. How exactly are you helping improve those relationships? Well, you, you have to first of all, you have to take time. I mean, you, you set up programs to help them out academically. Um, it's you know you you try to interact with them. You try to bring parents in. Um, you, you try to make sure that there's counseling available for students. Um, we never seem to have enough of that. In, in reality, Rita, I don't know if, if as a teacher I can solve all those things, and that's frustrating. I mean, when you have a, a certain dysfunctionality that does exist, there's only so much one can do. I think what you have to show is that you care about them and that they matter um, so that they're not just going to, give up on on their life and give up on the world. They, they have to know that when they come to a school that essentially this is a safe place for them. And and that and, and one thing I've always thought is like this might be the best thing in their day somehow. Kind of crazy way, but being around me or being around some other teacher or coming to school might be the best thing they have. And you don't ever forget that. It certainly drives me. Um not that we can be perfect and, and solve these things because we can't, um, but we can certainly help mitigate it. What programs do you wish our school had that it doesn't? Well, I, I wish we had a, a a little more facilities. Like, for example, our school should have an auditorium. I mean, that's always something that could be really useful, I think, in a lot of ways. Uh, not just like for, for performing arts, but but convocations and, and things like that. I wish we had that. I mean, clearly there's a few athletic things that we don't have that other places have. You'd like to see soccer. You'd like to see, you know, but again, we only have a certain base of, of, of people who, who want to be involved with athletics too. So there's, there's you know, the, that's the downside of a small school. We don't maybe have as many electives in the high school as, as you probably would like. I think we need to make sure that, you know, that, that some business classes are expanded and, and seems to be um, a, a certain, maybe a certain lack of that. I, th- I think coding's important for a lot of people. It's certainly something I can't do um, or even teach. But I think, you know, those kinds of things. What you're doing now in interviewing me, essentially, is those are the kind of experiences that I think should we, we should be going towards. Yet it's hard to do because the state has definitely cut our money and and it's we're lucky to have what we have and we do great with what we do have but 
there's times where you look at what other bigger schools have and, and, and it must be frustrating for you. Sometimes you see what they have and, and, and sometimes we don't have some of those same things, but I think there's a lot of things we do have. And the, the, the more of a family approach is, is, is definitely has positives. Uh, you're not, you're not a number. Are there any activities you wish you would have participated in? Myself? I wish I'd played football. My school didn't have football. My dad played football, and he was good. And so I'll never be able to – I mean, I always have what if. I wasn't going to transfer just to play football. Uh, where I went to high school, South Knox didn't have football, and they were, you know, more basketball-oriented. And we were like that here at one point, and, and now it's more of a balance. And um, so I suppose that was one thing. And I, I, there, there had to be some other things, I'm sure. But, you know, at, at that time, way back when, and we're not going to – even talk about how far back that is, but someone in here, someone crazy enough to listen to this thing this far, could probably do the math and and figure out the decade involved. But you know there wasn't as much going on as far as what school activities really were. I wasn't much of a music person. Um, I like music, but as far as playing it, eh, that would be ugly. So you know, so it's not like I really was able to do those things or wanted to do those things, but. I was able to, to kind of go my own direction, which really turned out to be history. Um, what about activities at the school that you wish you would have participated in, like coaching or something along the way? Well, when I first started here, they, they made me coach baseball, and I was terrible. <laughs> uh, I had no business doing that, but they kind of said, hey, by the way, you want the job, you, you can coach baseball. I never even played baseball. So I, I managed to get through it somehow, and I inherited a certain amount of talent, and they did okay, but – thankfully the mutual decision was get the heck out of that and that was fine other than other than what i do with washington dc i do think and this is probably true in the high school as well and i'm not saying i have the time for it or but someone should and could they need more academic competitions both middle school and high school one thing I'd like to kind of start in the middle school is that the, the geography B should occur. It's, it's, it's connected with National Geographic. And it fits better with maybe 6th and 7th grade because they're really focusing on geography. But uh, there's things that are some of the brighter kids that are interested in academics, they, they don't seem to have these avenues. And I, I'd like to see some of those things occur and at the high school level as well. And you got to have someone that, that, that really pushes for that. And, it, it, and I think some of those things would be nice to have. And, and, and serve those kids that are very, oh, maybe maybe I'll even use the word nerdy, that, that like I was, that, that are more just academic, and that's all they really care about. They don't need sports. They don't need necessarily even music, but, but they love to learn in a different way, uh, and, and those kind of competitions are kind of neat. We have some of that, but I think it's limited. What are your hobbies outside of school? Oh, well, obviously I read a lot. I mean, uh, you can't love history without reading. Um, and I, and I, I travel a lot with regards to going places. Um, I've hit about, of the 59 national parks, where I've been to about half of them. Um, that's more than most people. Most states I've, I've hit. Um, I, I, I like travel for sure. Uh, I'm also into Southwest art, which might seem a little funky. But uh, but uh, that's that's been the last seven eight years. I've just kind of gotten into Navajo rugs and pottery and kind of appreciation for some of that. Um, it kind of fits with the travel aspect of it all. Um, um, other than that, you know, I love playing, love watching football and watching you know certain sports. So I'll certainly, you know, those kind of things. But 
and and I think my two dogs run the house. So other than that, and you know, I mean, all that is tied in with my wife, and you know, because I don't really need a a ton of socialized friends or whatever. I have friends that in, in quite a few different locations, including here. But it's it's really more tied in with our own home and our, our dogs and us traveling and stuff like that. Is there anything else you'd like to mention? I don't know, Reed. You, you, you've got me, you, you hit me pretty well with just about everything. Um, no, I'm, I'm just glad that, uh, you know, Sir Scott Carmichael is, is emphasizing this and stuff. So, hi, Scott. How's it going if you're listening to this? But uh, I'm, I'm glad you guys are doing this. And it's a good thing. Thank you. And I'd like to thank you for joining me today. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Thundercast. We would like to thank Bloombank for help making this podcast possible. Also, please tune in for our next episode, coming soon. If you have any suggestions or comments, please email us at thundercast at egreen.k12.in.us. You can subscribe to hear every episode of Thundercast on iTunes and Google Play. All content of this podcast is property of Eastern Green School Corporation. It may not be used without expressed written permission. All rights reserved. Thank you very much for listening.